0: Welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast, and thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this episode of the podcast, Dr. Emily Chang, an expert in nephrology, will be our guest. Dr. Chang is part of the Kidney Center at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill and she will be discussing recent news that is related to taking care of your kidneys including the advancements in treatment and medication. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highway Health podcast. And now it's time to hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with Dr. Emily Chang.
1: Dr. Chang, welcome back. It's good to talk to you again.
2: It's good to be here again. Thanks for having me.
1: Yes, indeed. Let me ask you something here, because you never really know quite what to say, and we don't always have the ability to catch these dates. We did a pretty good job this year. National Kidney Day is Thursday, day after tomorrow, so that's close enough for us. Do you say happy National Kidney Day? Is there good news coming out maybe like now?
2: We're always looking for the positive side of things. There are a lot of big movements in the kidney world, a lot of innovation, things coming down the pipe and we're always just trying to make world and life better for patients with kidney disease and there are definitely good medicines coming down the pipe and some that are here already and some that are in development. So I think in general, they're promising things ahead for patients with kidney disease
1: there are so many things that we instinctively should know, and we kind of do know, but we have to dig too deep to discover them, so we kind of just let them go. And one of the things in the trucking and logistics world is that our idea of the supply chain was a three-link chain. The supplier, the person making the widget, the carrier, the trucker that's bringing the widget, and the receiver, the person who is going to sell the widget later on, then that's the supply chain. And then we came to the stark realization that every human being in the world is in the supply chain and it's a myriad of spider webs within spider webs and Rubik's cues and Gordian knots and it's all intermingled so complexly that we'll never get to the bottom of it and more and more and more I think we're starting to understand that about the body in terms of we all know it's all connected the thigh bones connected to the knee bone and all of that but kidneys they work together one affects the other both good and bad am I going overboard in the idea that we're just now, and I don't mean you guys, I mean us, the laymen, are we starting to maybe start to connect the dots a little bit better to understand why it's important to take care of this? Because if you don't take care of this, that goes down the drain.
2: Such a good analogy. And it's true. And I do think people are, at least as far as the patients that I'm seeing and talking to, because I have a lot of patients that come in and ask me, does it matter? Do you care this? Do you care about this pain? And a lot of times I say, yeah, it's all connected. And some things may matter more than others, but one thing affects another, affects another. I'm a specialist, but we're all connected. I have a lot to do with the endocrinologist, with the cardiologist, with the rheumatologist. We're all kind of tied together through the wonder of the human body.
1: Wow, that's incredible in terms of transportation, the transition from fossil fuels to hopefully some kind of a sustainable future. That's what the goal is. But we have to really turn the whole card deck upside down. Is your deck being reshuffled in a sense in medicine at this
2: point? it really is. One of the ways I feel like we're really reshuffling, at least in my field, we're really focusing these days on what we call patient-centered care. So in the past, a lot of times we think about the disease and how do we treat the disease? How do we make you live the longest? We've kind of turned, I guess, maybe not quite a 180, but close to it, a 100 degree turn to try and think what's best for the patient? We know that doing dialysis this way makes you live the longest, but is that the best? For the quality of life of the patient? Is that how the patient lives the most happy, fulfilled life of the years they have? So I think that's just one example of one way we're reshuffling the deck is really focusing on what matters most to patients.
1: What's interesting here, and I just pulled it up in front of me, and I say this with all due respect, but even the VA, of the Veterans Administration, has moved to a whole health mandala that they have. It's an eight-point circle. They talk about movement of the body, surroundings, personal development, food and drink, recharging, family and friends, spirit and soul, power of the mind, me plus self-care plus professional care plus community equals whole health. So that is really resonating even through the, the halls of the VA, which I think is really saying something. Being a veteran myself and having had a touch of VA care, which is great medical care, but none of that stuff was involved. None of this spiritual stuff. You know what I mean?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the VA healthcare system touches so many people So having things go through there, you can reach a lot of people. I love that kind of holistic, the whole body, whole person, whole mind attitude, because you think that it doesn't touch the kidneys, but it really does because stress and not being mindful raises your blood pressure, raising your blood pressure, then it's hard on the kidneys and there you go. Now you're at risk for kidney disease and that's just one example, but absolutely the whole body, whole mind, whole person mentality is a big move for us.
1: What causes problems? Everything. What can you do about it? Pretty much anything. Anything you do is going to help. And the more things you put together, the better off you're going to be. I mean, that's about as far as you can go, isn't it?
2: Yep, definitely. And good to get guidance on what are those anythings and everything to do. Because I think sometimes patients are like, well, which of these things, I hear all this about diet, which is the diet for me?
1: Let's zero in on kidneys because people are saying, well, wait a minute, are they going to talk about kidneys or not? I asked you not to answer me when I asked you this question during the news break because we had just a short amount of time. Okay, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Does a heart problem affect the kidneys and make the kidneys go bad, or do the kidneys affect the heart and cause heart problems? They don't work alone, so who's in that fight?
2: Well, actually, it's a circular argument. We see them both, and of course I'm going to say the kidney rules it all because I'm a nephrologist, but these are two specialties, the heart and the kidney, two organs that are so tightly connected. What happens with one almost directly affects the other. One of the big things about chronic kidney disease, which is a very prevalent disease, is that most patients, and I think that there's a misunderstanding here, most patients with chronic kidney disease actually die of what we call cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, strokes, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and not the actual kidney disease itself. Mm -hmm. Is it because the
1: kidneys themselves don't really have the power unto themselves to kill you?
2: They do. So what they do is they put you at risk of heart attack and stroke through a lot of different ways. Just having kidney disease makes you at greater risk of heart attack and stroke. And those things are just more likely to happen than kidney failure. And it kind of goes back
1: to that Gordian knot tied up in a tighter ball than it ever was earlier. But it just goes back to the thing that everything affects something else. Whatever happens here is going to happen down there, so get ready for it.
2: Yes, everything affects something else, and it's different for every person, too. So just because one thing happened for you doesn't mean the same thing's going to happen to your spouse, your kid, your friend. But it is all connected.
1: So we have this little list of things that we're supposed to do, and it all starts with the generalizations. Then we get into specifics of diet and exercise and sleep and mental health and everything you need to do to say generally healthy. Then we zero in to things in terms of kidneys. Then there's always that caveat, that D, that's sort of like the all of the above, genetics. Is there a percentage in terms of what you would tell folks like, okay, you can do all of this, you can do all of that, but you know, genetically speaking, you're doomed anyway, so just forget about it. I mean, I'm kidding here. I shouldn't do that, but you know what I'm saying. Is <laughs> genetics a kind of a cop-out in a sense too for some folks?
2: So there's definitely some rare diseases where genetics, you can't get around it. One of our most common genetic diseases is polycystic kidney disease. You can't get around that you have polycystic kidney disease. Now, that's an example. So you have that genetic disease. But you can control all the other risk factors and within that, you can make your chances of not going into kidney failure the best by doing those lifestyle things we're talking about diet, exercise, healthy lifestyle, good sleep. So genetics plays a role there. Other things like diabetes, it's a little bit more nebulous, the role they play there. But there's definitely a genetic component. It's just not quite as clear as single gene, single this. But again, same kind of concept. It's just for each disease, how much the genetics plays a role, how much lifestyle treating your body right plays a role is going to vary. But I don't think there's any single, I think there's. it's never only genetics. It's never, you can't do a single thing to make it better by treating your body right.
1: Thank you very much for that.
2: Polycystic (laughs) kidney disease. That is a disease where you get cysts that grow in your kidneys. Cysts are like bubbles.
1: Yes. Do we know where they come from?
2: There are several genetic defects. We don't know all the genetic defects, but there are a number of them that cause just the cells in the kidneys to grow inappropriately and they don't stop like they usually are. They grow out of control.
1: So that is the one genetic thing, that if you got that, it's genetic, you can't get it otherwise.
2: That's the only way you get it is from genes.
1: Got it. One day that gene will be weeded out of our genetic code, I would imagine.
2: I'm not sure because we actually have ways to treat it now, and it's not a lethal Certain genetic diseases that are pretty lethal present in children and don't allow the children to reproduce, those will weed itself out or those will become less prevalent. But for this one, for example, it's not lethal and people can reproduce and there's a variability as far as how severe it is, so it will persist. There's families with multiple siblings who have it and just continue it on
1: diabetes is diabetes. My father died. He was only 33 years old. He had what they called juvenile diabetes in the early 50s. Couldn't keep a job because he had to take shots. And that was tantamount being like a drug addict in those days. I mean, things have changed a lot. My point being is that type one diabetes is sort of like it's own entity type 2 diabetes is what i hate to put it this way the more general population is concerned with because we're getting this like left and right i mean the numbers are going up faster than the stock market yeah
2: type 2 diabetes is definitely more common than type 1 they're both genetic both of them have a genetic component which i think some people don't understand one is just more complex Type 2 is a bit more complex, the genetic component to it, and we really don't understand it that well. Back in the day, type 1 was thought of as the juvenile one, type 2 older ones, people who don't take care of their bodies as well. But there's definitely been a melding of that, and it's not that crystal clear anymore. So you may have a type 2 present very early. You may have a type 1. I remember when I was in training, I had a 96-year-old present with type 1. So it's not as clear as we once thought. And diabetes treatment has come a long way. And we have so many more tools than we used to, which is pretty exciting for us as nephrologists, because diabetes is the number one cause of kidney disease. And that was Mm -hmm. one of the segments we talked about. So it's real important to me, diabetes care.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And boy, diabetes then leads to other problems too, heart problems and on and on and on. But the kidneys are on the front lines of that.
2: About 40% of diabetics will end up with kidney problems.
1: Got a couple of new meds, we've got just a couple of minutes here, but I asked you early on, do we say happy kidney day? Is there some good news? And <laughs> you kind of said, yeah, there are a couple of new meds out there that have some promise?
2: Yeah, well, we've had one group of meds around for a long long time, and we tried very hard to get a lot of our patients on those. Those are a certain class of blood pressure medicines, but here lately we have this other group of medicines we call them s g l t two inhibitors, leave it to doctors to make complicated names. Of course, names.
1: I was about to say that.
2: <laughs> they were originally found to treat diabetes, but it turns out they treat diabetes a little bit, but as we're looking to see to make sure they're safe for the kidneys, we found out not only are they safe for the kidneys, they're very protective of the kidneys. So then we pivoted to just treat anyone with kidney disease with these medicines, regardless of whether you have diabetes or not. So they're becoming more and more widespread use. The chronologists are using it, we're using it. Turns out for some patients with heart disease, it's really beneficial too. So these are a great group of medicines if they're right for you. There's another group of injection medicines that are very common now. They're doing a lot for people with diabetes, helping people get off insulin. They are helping some people lose weight. They're also good for the heart. Not necessarily as direct benefits for the kidneys, but we think there are probably some benefits for the kidneys.
1: We're out of time, unfortunately, but that is a wonderful way to end our program here this morning on a good positive note. But again, folks have to take positive action in their own lives to keep ahead of the game, right?
2: Absolutely. That's the number one thing I like to stress. Take care of yourself. Be healthy.
1: That closes
2: out this
0: edition of the Highway Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Podwheels powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway Health Podcast through Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo, and let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway Health Podcast through our website, or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health podcast is a production of Podwheels powered by Radio Nemo.